0: The Paul Leslie Hour Helping people tell their stories And now, your host, Paul Leslie Hey, it's me Hello and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour Thank you for being with me The other night I was watching the Disney cartoon, Aladdin And it occurred to me, as it has several times That the song, A Whole New World is one of the best songs ever, regardless of any genre. The lyrics, the melody, everything. And it reminded me of this interview with the great lyricist Sir Tim Rice. He is the songwriting collaborator of such greats as the composers Andrew Lloyd Webber, Alan Menken, Elton John, and many others. In this interview you're about to hear, he talks about his great career in writing songs for theater and film, Sir Tim Rice co-wrote songs for Jesus Christ Superstar, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Evita, and many others, as well as, of course, the Disney animated films like Aladdin and The Lion King. Before we get into this interview, I would be honored if you would consider going on ThePaulLeslie.com and clicking Support the Show. There are quite a number of things I want to accomplish with the Paul Leslie Hour this year and beyond, you can help fund these interviews and get more of them out there to the masses. It only takes a few seconds and it makes a world of difference. Secondly, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash the Paul Leslie. Last but not least, tell someone about the Paul Leslie Hour. Let them know in whatever way you can. And now, let's get into the interview with Tim Rice. Ladies and gentlemen, It is a great pleasure to welcome this man. He is one of the great lyricists of our time, Sir Tim Rice. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up for you?
1: Very pleasant, very enjoyable. I had a very happy childhood. Nice parents. What kind of music did you hear growing up? Well, I suppose my greatest interest was in the pop music of the day, which was the um beginnings of rock and roll. Perhaps not the very beginning, but certainly Elvis, Buddy Holly, Everly Brothers, Chuck Berry, people like that from America, and the English equivalents, Cliff Richard, Billy Fury, Marty Wilde, Lonnie Donegan, these are the people I really loved first, and they were all pre-Beatles. And when the Beatles came along in 1962, in England. We were way ahead of you on that one. (laughs) Really, Beatles and Stones became great, great influences on me. But I was also interested in musical theater. I I played all my parents' albums of all the great shows. Um, So I, I had a fairly wide musical education, but it was primarily popular.
0: How did you know you had this ability to write?
1: I didn't. I had no particular ambitions to write lyrics at all. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I went into the law when I left school, which was um, not something I proved to be very good at, but um, I certainly didn't think I was going to be a songwriter.
0: You are a lyricist, but what is it that moves you more? Is it the lyrics or the melody?
1: (laughs) Well, I I don't know. Um, I think for a song to work, you've got to have a great tune and a great lyric. I'm not sure that my own lyrics would ever move me. I, you know, regard them perhaps sometimes with satisfaction, but I don't burst into tears when I've written them or other people's words, if allied to a beautiful tune, can be can be, can be moving. It's, it's a combination rather than words or music, I think, that works. Can you
0: recall the first lyrics you ever wrote
1: well I wrote a couple of rather bad poems when I was very young at school when I was literally 8 or 9 and I think one or two of them got published in the school magazine but I would they were kind of poems rather than lyrics and I think there is a difference The first lyric I wrote probably aiming to try and get the song recorded was a was a, was a song I wrote in 1964 called That's My Story and I wrote the tune as well but I only really wrote it in order to get my voice onto a tape and see if I could be a singer, but that didn't work. But the song did quite well. The song got recorded.
0: What was your first impression of Andrew Lloyd Webber when you met him?
1: My first impression was that he was a very talented young man who was almost certainly going to make it. He not only had great ability to write tunes, he also knew what he wanted to do, whereas I hadn't got a clue. And he was very ambitious and Determined to make it as a theatrical composer, Richard Rodgers was his great hero, and he wanted to be like Richard Rodgers, which he achieved. You
0: just said that his great hero was Richard Rodgers.
1: Who was your yes. great hero? Well, I suppose I had a lot of lyricists I loved. I mean, I, I always liked Jerry Lieber in, in the in the rock world and um, Sammy Kahn in the more traditional world of popular music, the great American songbook. I liked Alan J. Lerner um, enormously through My Fair Lady, and of course, Oscar Hammerstein. But I don't think I had any one particular lyrical hero. And of course, I didn't really know until I met Andrew, I was going to write lyrics. So I was just aware of great songs. And I found that in retrospect, looking back on the songs I liked when I was often very young, it was nearly always ones with interesting lyrics that caught my attention.
0: What are your recollections of working with him on The Likes of Us?
1: Well, I was very enthusiastic, so so was he. He'd already written all the tunes when I met him, and he'd had um, a friend of his from school who didn't want to continue with the project, had written some lyrics already. So I was kind of brought in on it, and it it, it was something that, that I was very glad to do because I thought the tunes were so good. It turned out not to be particularly successful. In fact, we didn't get it on at all, but I... I don't think that was because of the tunes. I think it was because the basic idea wasn't quite original enough. I think to succeed in a theatre, you've got to have a really good original idea. In writing, what is your strongest well of inspiration? Oh, I don't know. I think a deadline. Having <laughs> deadline, Having somebody say you've got to do it by Tuesday. That's the that's the inspiration. <laughs>
0: What about the first time you heard something you wrote being performed? What did that feel like?
1: Well, that was rather exciting. I think the first time I heard something I'd written being performed well, on record was, was the recording of That's My Story, which came out in 1965 on a pop single. It was a total flop, but it was quite exciting to hear somebody sing my song on a record. And then after that, I suppose, listening back to the record we did of Joseph, which we, which we did with the school that was that was exciting. Um, it's just it's great. I mean, the first time you hear something of yours on the radio, it's very exciting, and I think that was probably something from Superstar, maybe the single itself, Jesus Christ Superstar by Murray Head. But it was always very exciting in those days. If we heard a faint rumour that we were going to get an airplay somewhere, we would you know tune in for hours, hoping it would come up.
0: There have been various songwriters who've told me that throughout the years of he- hearing their songs so many times sometimes when they hear something they don't even hardly notice it. When you hear something somewhere on the radio, on television or whatever do you pay attention
1: or are you Well it depends really on what sort of treatment your song is getting if it's a really great treatment or also a really bad one I think you know you might notice it if it's just Something being played almost as background music to something else, then maybe one might tune out. I mean, if I if I happen by chance to hear something of mine on the radio or on television, I'll it'll yeah I'll I'll stop look and listen. I might not stop look and listen for long if it's not very good, but it's always a compliment that somebody else wants to do your song.
0: Of the lyricists that are still writing today, who in your opinion are some of the great ones?
1: Well. Probably people of my generation mean Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, I guess. Trying to think of the people, Those, those are probably as good as any. I mean, there's a lot of, I think, Mick Jagger writes good lyrics. But a lot of my favorite lyricists don't write as much as they used to. So I'm not sure of the younger generation who I'm really an expert in identifying. But, you know, I do hear some interesting things from time to time.
0: And what about the great composers, perhaps in theater?
1: who do you think is right? Well, in theatre, I think it's almost more great shows. I mean, I think most composers write, and indeed lyricists, write some good shows and some not so good. And I think My Fair Lady is is hard to beat. A West Side Story, Bernstein is fantastic. My Fair Lady, of course, was 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 Fritz Lowe. Richard Rogers wrote three or four absolutely wonderful scores. And it's, it tends to be in the theater, the, the the show, I think that's great, rather than necessarily one composer. I think there are five or six composers, all of whom written wonderful scores. And I wouldn't want to put one ahead of the other, really. What did you think of
0: Madonna's performances of Evita?
1: I thought she was pretty good. I was very glad she took the role. I think it was the kind of part that suited her. It's very difficult with a musical on um, film to sustain anything for a long time, two and a half hours or whatever it is of of, of singing is difficult, of, of, of non-stop music. But I think the film worked pretty well, and um, I thought Madonna, Madonna did very well. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who I would have preferred to see in the role. What are your memories of working with Michel Berger on Tycoon? Michel Berger, <laughs> as we call him in France. <laughs> well, he was a great composer, lovely guy. And it was a terrible shock when he healed over and, and died on the tennis court when he was only forty something. I enjoyed working with him. He was not well known in England. He'd had huge success in France where he was almost like a like a god, and he'd written so many hits. And I couldn't understand, except it must have been the language barrier, why his work didn't do so well in England or in or in, or, or in America. But it was a great privilege to work with him, and it was very good for my French, which is reasonable. But it was quite fun working with Luc Plomondon, the French lyricist, or the French-Canadian lyricist, and with Michel, and having lots of conversations and meetings in French. How did you come to write songs for Disney? Well, I'm not quite sure exactly what the final thing was, but or the the, the, the final moves, but I met the Disney people when they were discussing becoming involved with the Evita movie. This is way before we had Madonna or anybody signed up for it. And I think I dropped leaden hint to... Jeffrey Katzberg and Michael Eisner, I said, look, I'd really like to do some stuff in films. I haven't worked very much in movies. They got me involved in a sort of very peripheral way with a Dolly Parton movie called Straight Talk, which I didn't actually do any writing for, but I was sort of involved in suggesting which songs would work where. And then they suddenly said to me, well, would you like to work on a, on the new animated feature we've got about this lion and his, and his evil uncle? And I thought, well, this sounds interesting. So I signed up and was the, almost the very first person in the team for Lion King. Elton John was my suggestion, and I I think a very good one. But when I started working on The Lion King, A, it wasn't even called The Lion King, and B, there was just me and a director and a couple of drawings. What did you find it like to work with Elton on those songs? Oh, terrific. He's great. The interesting thing about Elton is that he only writes music when he's got finished lyrics. So it was a different way around for me. I never really Worked in that way before. I mean, the, obviously, the odd line here and there in a Vita or Superstar I'd, I'd written before and there was any music. But basically, 90% of the music came first in all those early shows. But with Elton, he said, No, no, no. I, I Just give me the lyric because I, I do not write tunes without lyrics. And I don't think he ever has, apart from you know bits of instrumental. So that was that was, and, and also he was very quick. He hardly ever queried a lyric, unlike almost every other composer I've worked with. He never said. Oh, can you change that? Once or twice, he might say, look, if we had one more line here, that would help. But he would never say, I don't like that line, which is quite nice if you're a lyricist.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask about a specific song that appeared in Aladdin. What about the song A Whole New World?
1: That one I did write, and and that was very successful. In fact, in, in a way, my biggest hit song ever, because it went to number one in America, and it won... One Grammy Song of the Year, I think, and also it won an Oscar. so it was it was a mighty successful song. I was surprised we won actually I thought we, we 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 wouldn't win half these things i I thought we had a shot at the Oscar, but I, I never thought we'd win the Grammy but it, it was it was such a great tune. Alan wrote, and it was a nice scene in the film, and the film was a big hit. I think to have a big hit song you 've got to be in a big hit film i mean or be a big act it's it's very difficult to um if you have a brilliant song and it's in a crappy film, you're never going to get nominated for an Oscar, however good the song.
0: What do you think Alan Menken's biggest talent is?
1: Well, I think Alan is one of the very few people in the world who can write a really strong, emotional, original melody, which is quite a rare gift. There are so many composers around who don't really have a gift for a tune that you can lodge in your head quickly. And Alan has, is, is, has definitely got that. He's He's written so many tunes that, that I find myself whistling after I've heard them, just half half of it. And, and then I've then done ones away. And Whole New World was clearly a great tune. And it was a bit of a problem for me. I thought, hmm, I'm going to have to come up with something good to match this.
0: What about the inspiration behind the
1: lyrics of Circle of Life? Well, that was an interesting one, really. It had to be kind of vaguely philosophical, if that's possible, in a pop music setting. And it's one of the songs where one is actually able to say something that you kind of believe in because so often if you're writing in musicals you're writing for different points of view from different characters and therefore you're quite often writing something you don't agree with which is great in a way whereas in search of life i just wanted to say something about fate and luck and chance and you know it it, it worked out well and elton wrote a most wonderful perfect tune for it we had a couple of goes at it before with not such a good lyric and a more bouncy tune, but that that didn't really fit. It was it was about the second or third time round with that one.
0: And what about the inspiration behind Can You Feel the Love Tonight?
1: Well, that was really just a corny love song. I think you can, you, can, you can, I mean, it was a fairly straightforward love song with a very, very pretty tune. And it was the first one we wrote for the show, actually, for the film. It's very difficult to write a straightforward love song, which is basically saying, I love you, because it's been done quite a few times before it's slightly easier to do a sad love song, you know, I'm desperately unhappy type song. But the Can You Feel the Love Tonight was really just rather a straightforward song. It had to it had to bring in, I felt, images of of, you know, the African scene and um the wildlife and outdoors without straying too far from being a love song. I mean I didn't want to have, you know, lines like you've got a fantastic mane, darling, or I I love your claws it had to be something that was more abstract, but at the same time had the odd reference to what's going on in the film, i.e. it's the wild outdoors and all that. You wrote
0: the lyrics for a couple of the songs for the 2011 musical of The Wizard of Oz. Given that the songs that yeah. Harold Arlen and E.Y. Herberg wrote were so, so iconic, was that a challenging thing to write those songs? Yes, I did.
1: Uh, Yes, I don't think, to be honest, we added anything to the show at all. I think it's very difficult to add stuff to a classic. And I think one of the songs we wrote, and only one, came out quite well, certainly in the show, a thing called Red Shoes Blues, which is quite funny. But we only did four songs, and the other three were kind of fillers in the sense that they weren't really big big numbers. And I don't think they really added a lot to what was there already. But it was nice to work on, on a show which was based around such a great, great score and include our songs.
0: <laughs> what is the best thing about being Tim Rice?
1: Oh, God. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't really answer that. No, I, 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 you've got me there.
0: This question is just kind of open-ended. For anyone who's listening to this broadcast, wherever they are in the world, what would you like to say to anyone listening?
1: <laughs> anyone? I don't know, really? Gosh, this is a strange question as well. I mean, it's a good question. What could I say? I don't know. I mean, I haven't a clue. I really, I've got no message for the world. I think if there are messages in any songs or anything, then that's fine. Obviously, I'm saying things sometimes that I believe in, and if people pick up on that, great. But I'm not really here to tell anybody what to do or think or believe.
0: My last question, you might say, is a strange question as well, but I do want to know the answer. According to you, who is Tim Rice?
1: Who am I? Well, I'm just the same bloke I've always been in my view, but I still sometimes think I'm 15 or even younger. So I don't think people really change all that much. But, you, you know, you change, a, you change a bit now and then. But I'm still pottering along, hoping to write a few more songs. But maybe I won't. I don't know. I don't feel like I've got a absolute... Desperate need or, or pressure on me to, you know, to carry on writing all the time. And you've got to face the fact that when you, when you get on a bit, you've probably gone past your peak. And it's, again, it's, I think writing lyrics is something which I'm still quite good at, he said immodestly, or certainly as good as I ever was, which may not be very good. But what I think is harder to find when you're older is a great iconic idea that will appeal to a lot of generations, like Superstar was a great idea, or Evita was a great idea, or Cats, for that matter, which I had nothing to do with, that was a good idea. And often the good ideas aren't ones that are obvious. You know, people say to me, "I've written a musical on Rasputin, the Mad Monk." I think, yeah, however good it is, it's not a great idea. It's been done before and not successfully. So that would be the thing. I think as you as as you get older, you're probably not going to come up with anything that's Wildly original. You're going to change the world.
0: I thank you very much for this interview.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for your interest.
0: Thank you for your time. Thank you for your perspectives. It's been a, a joy.
1: Thank you. You're very oh. kind good the back Goodbye.